So, uh, not, I don't want to, this isn't a, a time to heap shame on anybody. Um, but I know we got mixed, mixed company in the room. Um, so by show of hands, um, how many people participate in Black Friday shopping by show of hands? I'll put mine down. Okay, so probably about a third of the room. Um, and uh, I, I got um, kind of a story that I want to share as we, as we get started. Black Friday shopping used to be this underground thing. It was kind of like the raves back in the day, the underground parties and stuff like that, where only exclusive people knew about those. Uh, it, it's not, it wasn't as popular uh, as it is today. Um, and, and so it was kind of underground for me. I didn't know, the, I didn't know the, the context. I didn't know anything about Black Friday other than that I hear there's like some cheap stuff that happens. Just You can go buy for Christmas right after Thanksgiving. Um, and so it was probably... Um, it had to have been a dozen years ago or more. Um, and there was, whenever the electric scooter was becoming a hot item for the first probably year or two, um, there was this store in Lake Charles, this electronics uh, store in Lake Charles that, that, uh, that, that had these, that were going to have these, and they were going to be drastically reduced, um, and they were only going to be a limited supply. And the whole idea was that uh, this, this store, this, this company in the store, they didn't really... Um, sell electric scooters any other time of the year, but it was just bait for you to get into the store so that you can see all of their other items that they normally sell, and they have those marked down, and you can shop and spend all of your money and, and, and walk away with lots of good gifts. And so Ashley told me, she said, listen, I need you to uh, get up early in the morning, and there's this uh, store that has these scooters, and they're going to be really, really cheap, and we want to get one of them, and so I need for you to get up early and go do that. I was like, okay, well, that's no problem. She's like, now listen, there's only going to be a certain amount, so you're going to have to get there early. Like, you can't just like drag your feet on this. So I show up to the place, um, and it's about 5 a.m. I'm like, this store normally doesn't open at 5 a.m. She's like, they'll be open. And so I go to this store, and there's a line of probably about 80 people um, longer than this building. And I get down, I'm just kind of confused. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? You know, I've never seen anything like this again. Black Friday is underground. Like this is only certain people know about this. And so uh, I said, okay, well, I'm going to wait here in line. When they open the doors to the store, I'll go find the scooter or whatever. Um, and so finally the doors opened to the store and everybody went mad. Like they, 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 it, was, it was an organized deal, which I, I'm, I'm down with. Like I want to be a part of that where it's a, a line, we're going to go in, and everybody's going to do their thing. But as soon as the doors opened, everybody went crazy. And so I'm going to this, obviously they're in the back of the store, right? You've got to go all the way through everything, all the other merchandise to get to what you're after. And what I didn't realize was that every single person in that line was there for that same thing. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And so I get there, and like, there was this big heaping pile of these, uh, these scooters and boxes that you had to put together, and they were down to just a few whenever I got there. I'm like... Oh, I, I needed to grab one really quick. And like seconds after I grabbed mine, they were gone. And, and by the time I got out of the store, man, when I walked out of there, um, it was like a spell had been lifted off of me. Like I, I didn't know what was going on for a while. Like I was immersed uh, in, this, in this frenzy of material consumption. Um, and, and so I, I immediately went home and uh, rebuked Ashley, um, and I told her, never, ever, ever do that to me again. And she knew not to give me all the details because she knew that I wouldn't have participated in this thing. Um, and so that was my first experience and my very last experience with Black Friday. To this day, I won't do it just because of what I experienced on that horrible morning in my life that has marked me forever. Um, but, but like I said, when I walked out of there, man, it was just kind of like a cloud just kind of lifted off of me, like... Man, what just happened? Like, what just, what just went down in there? And it was so crazy. Like, myself, as well as every other shopper, like, we weren't there to, to serve. Like, we weren't there to give other than, like, our money and our finances, right? We, weren't, we were only there to take. And, like, some people were way more aggressive at taking than I was. I didn't know this. And, and, and obviously now you can, there's, there's social media where, you know, it's live as, as it's coming down. Like people can see how crazy this stuff gets. And in that moment, I'm going to tell you this. And like I said, I don't, I don't ask who's Black Friday shopping just to, to heap shame. But I'm going to tell you just my personal story about that moment when I walked out of there. It was like I, I felt shallow. And I think it was probably because I was hit with some unexpected things. I, weren't, I wasn't prepared. Um, and I, I, again, I'm not going to launch an attack against gift giving or Christmas or shopping or any of that, that other stuff. It's all good. But it's just in that particular moment, 
man, I just, I felt like, it, I, I had a, a feeling that I'd never experienced being immersed that deep in, in consumerism and, 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 and whatnot to that level. And so every year, um, I can't help but ask myself that question. I think about it, I reflect on it. Every time Black Friday comes along and I see people going, I'm like, man, I remember that time. That was a dark moment in my life. Man, I don't ever want to go through that again, you know, and I just recall that, and, I, and I've constantly asked the question, like, why? Why do I feel that way? Why did, why did I feel that way when I walked out of, the room, out of that store? Why did I feel, why do I feel that way today, like I'm just really hesitant and don't want to participate because I was, an, I was emotionally scarred? Um, and the answer to that question, that it's, it's an obvious question if you sit down and think about it. Um, whenever you tend to consume... Um, and whatever you tend to consume, uh, it, it will shape you. It will shape who you are as a person um, and, and your personality and, and everything. If you give yourself uh, over to gathering up a bunch of stuff, um, the latest gadgets, I, I, another confession I have um, is um, whenever, whenever iPhones and Apple products were, were really, really hot a handful of years ago, uh, I was the guy that was known as the Apple freak. I was the guy that knew all the information. I could fix stuff. I knew a lot of secrets and things like that to a point where when people thought of Blake, that's what they thought about. And so it just really kind of, like God really kind of had to work on my heart about that. Like, are you like putting your toe in the water of idolatry? Uh, and if so, you need to recognize that. And so that, like, I, I was giving myself over to those kinds of things. I was consuming that, and I was being shaped as a person. My personality, my character, when people thought of me, that's what they thought about. Um, and, and so it, it absolutely, what we consume shapes who we're going to be. Um, and, and if you're the type of person who consumes material possessions, if you're the type of person who just really kind of craves and thrives that, it's going to shape who you are as a person. It's going to make you feel superficial and shallow at times. It will do that. And we're going to get into the, to the nuts and bolts of that this morning, uh, kind of where we're headed. Um, and, and, and let me just say this, like, if you're that type of person, you're constantly going to be reaching for stuff and living in this perpetual discontentment and always left wanting. And what happens then is it makes, whenever you, whenever you lose something, it feels like death almost. When you lose a material possession or you have to give something up, it just hurts really bad whenever you're to that level of uh, consuming, of, of just consuming material possessions. Um, or, and, and I'll get off of that for a minute. I'll just talk about food. All right, let's maybe just food. If you fill your life, if you if you if you load up on sugars and carbs and fatty foods that are that are unhealthy, that's not good for you, it's going to shape your life. It will shape your life physically. It will definitely uh, shift um, your 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 whole life and your whole being. But here's the deal. I don't. I want to move a little bit past that 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 uh, that physical aspect of it. You're also going to find it hard to say no to other things. You're going to find it hard um, when other temptations come, right? And so if, if that's your go-to, if it's not, if it's not consuming uh, uh, material possessions or things like that, maybe, maybe your, your comfort place, maybe the place where, where you're at is with food. And, and, and if you consume unhealthy things, depending on what, it's going to shape who you are. But also, listen to this, it's also going to be hard for you to say no to click on that certain thing. It's also going to be hard for you to not make that purchase. It's also going to be hard for you to say no to a lot of things because you have created this habit, you've created this rhythm in your life of saying yes to everything, of saying, yes, I want that. Yes, I'll take that. And you never practice saying no. You never practice that. And so it's going to have a way of shaping who you are as a person. And on the other hand, that might not be you. You might be the person that you're, you're, you're a clean uh, dieting person, that you fill your life with fruits and vegetables and clean proteins. And, and this is going to shape your body too, right? You're probably going to tend to lose some weight and, and to feel a little more energetic. Like it's going to shape who you are as a person also, but you might find that you become more picky and maybe even a little bit self-righteous when you're that person. So you become this organic kale prophet who announces doom over Sonic and Dairy Barn, and people really just don't like hanging around with you because that's all you talk about. It's consuming who you are, shaping who you are as a person, right? So what's happening? Like, what's going on with all of that? 
Well, it's, it's food shaping who you are as a person. It's food shaping your personality. So it might not be material c- consumption. It might be this thing that causes you to, to it, it play out in every part of your life. And then there's Netflix. Then there's Netflix, <laughs> right? And this is the one, right? I, listen, make no mistake about it. Binge watching is absolutely shaping our society. It's shaping who we are as individuals. It's shaping me as an individual. It's shaping us as a culture. It absolutely does that. Uh, Netflix, um, they should be um, embarrassed by this, uh, but they're not. They're proud of it because this is the business they're in. But just recently, December 17th, they put out this report, did a little bit of homework. Uh, For Netflix members around the world, Um, We watched more than 140 million hours of content per day. 140 million hours of content per day. And if you just do the math, that's in the neighborhood of somewhere around 5.6 million years. Right? 5.6 million years if you just span that across time. And this is the kind of consumption that's shaping us. And, and it's not so much the content, although we can go down that rabbit trail, but it's just the fact that it, there's a discipline of TV binging. There's this discipline. Something happens to you as a person. You can talk to my wife. When I get, when I get on something, when I get on a, on a good series, or like I just check out a life altogether. Like, you will find me in a dark corner. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm disconnected from everything. And I just got, because I'm the type of person, I'm not about the journey. I'm about the destination. And so guess what? We got to finish this thing. We got to get to the end of it. Uh, uh, yeah, this is all good. But th- th- like, I've got to say, I've watched every episode and I had to get to the end of it and I finished it. That's me. Something's happening to me. It's what I've experienced. And, and, and here's, here's what I've experienced. I could be like perfectly honest with you. In those moments, it's severely crippling to me because it leaves me living for the next moment. It, just like I said, i got to get to the other side of it. And I disconnect from reality. I disconnect from, from what's right in front of me. My wife will stand there in front of me and say, hey, you haven't said anything to me in three days because we're disconnected because I'm zoned in here. So the question for us this morning and where we're headed is not, are you being shaped by something? I don't want you to try to figure out, like, is that me? Like, is he talking about me, or is he just talking about in general? Like, that's not the question. The question is, what are you being shaped by, and what are you being shaped into? Not are you. And so before we answer the question of what, like what's shaping us right now, each one of us individually, and that's what this is about. Individually, I want you to think about this and consider as we walk through this text this morning, as we walk through our our study this morning, we got to ask the question why. We always have to be a people of, of asking the question why. Otherwise, we're just robots who do whatever, but we need to be asking why. And so not, not before we can get to the, the, the question of what are you being shaped by, we need to ask the question, why do we consume so much? Why do we do that? Why do I get hung up on a series that I can come to anytime I want to, but I feel like in that moment I have to forsake so many other things and so many other relationships and so many more important things so that I can be in that moment. Why, why do we consume so much? Because as human creatures, and this is why I'm saying this is for individuals, for every one of us, we are all after something. Every one of us in the room, we're after something. We're seeking something. Your heart longs for something. And, and, and I'm, you're going to hear some uh, just some, some uh, residue from our, our series, on our DNA series, where we started uh, talking about God and knowing Him and worshiping Him, knowing, the, knowing who God is so that we can worship Him rightly. That's, that you're going to hear some of that because our hearts are designed that way. We all long for something. And if I had to guess, all of us long for what could be summed up as the good life. We all long for the easy life. We all long for comfort. We all long for these things, the, the, the good life. All of us, we deep down, we want freedom. We want joy. We want peace. We want harmony. We want fullness of life, every single one of us. And this is true no matter who you are. If you're a believer, if you're an unbeliever, if you're a child, if you're an adult, if you're rich, or if you're poor, it doesn't matter. This is every single person. All of us long to 
to think the right things and to feel the right things and to be fully alive. And this is why we consume. This is why we consume so much. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to set before you um, not what you should eat or what you should watch or, or what you should do or how, how to do all those things. What I, want to, what I want to show you today is that what you long to be most shaped by and shaped into in this life is going to be found in God's Word. And so what I want for the rest of this church's existence is to start off every year just really zoning in on our, on our word. Like, this is where we know God. This is where we connect with God. And so that's what we're designed for. That's, that's what I want to set before you today. The word of God is going to shape in you what you desire at your deepest level. The thing you're trying to fill with so many other things, it's can, it can only be found here because that's what your heart was desired, designed for. And so if you, if you have a Bible, if you have a, a means to, to read along, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 19. Uh, this morning, you can turn there. Um, if you have your Bible, you can just really probably split it right down the middle. And when you open it, you'll be at Psalm. Um, that's kind of right in the center of the word. And we'll be in the front part at chapter 19. And this is... Uh, this is the psalmist David, and he's writing, and we're going to pick up in verse 7 of chapter 19. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Let's pray again uh, as we kind of journey through this uh, together. Father, we come to you and we humbly submit ourselves under this word. We humbly submit ourselves to you. Um, and Father, would you begin to open our hearts uh, this morning? Um, I realize that every one of us are, are coming off of this holiday high right now. And a lot of us are exhausted. A lot of us are just kind of checked out. And so, Lord, through the power of your spirit, will you pull us together under this word? And would you um, show us what we need to see most? And would you uh, allow us to hear what we need to hear most? And would you allow your word to have its effect in our life as we study this morning? And may you receive glory and honor for um, our, our, our obedience and our rejoicing over this word. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So to kind of recap, nothing shapes us like the Word of God. Nothing else will do that. Whenever you submit to the Word and meditate on what God has said, it has the potency. It has the strength to shape your life like nothing else. And David, he would start out the psalm like this. In verse 1, he would say, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. David would say that creation is speaking. God's creation is, is actually saying something. Mountains, skies, the sun, the moon, galaxies, all that God has made is talking about God, revealing things about God, speaking about God. And David says, the whole world and everything in it hears. Every single Order of creation hears what, what is being said about God in his creation. But here's, here's the deal, and here's where we're going today. Mountains cannot restore your soul. Sunsets cannot impart to you wisdom. Hiking in the most beautiful forest in the world cannot make you into a kind and loving and patient person. You see, creation, it can't heal your marriage, and it can't convict you of sin. But the Word can. God's, God's Word can. Creation tells us that God is. That's what David's saying. God is. He would say, the heavens declare the glory 
of God. And David uses the word Elohim, which is referring to God. And I love Joey helped us understand that through our Advent uh, about the differences in, in, in how God is referred to. And so here, David is just, he is just referring to God as Elohim, this broad description. He's a strong and powerful God who shows himself through his creation to all men, to every person, that he is the sustainer, that he is the supreme governor of the world. And that's about it, that God is, and that creation proclaims that God is, that he exists, and that obviously, obviously he's powerful and he's strong because he's created all of this. And that's all that creation tells us. So the way to understand this verse is that the heavens tell us that God is, that he made this, that he, that he is a glorious and powerful and big God, and that's about it. And it kind of sounds a lot like Romans chapter 1. If you, if it'll be on the screens, you don't have to flip there unless you want to. But Paul would refer to, he would kind of shine a light on this also. He would say, starting in verse 18, uh, when he's talking about God and, and, and his relationship to those who are unrighteous, all of mankind, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the, tr the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. You see, creation tells us God is. He, he is and he is obviously powerful and strong and supreme because he created everything. And so creation tells the story that God is. And so Paul would say that. And then David, I love how, where we're headed today in Psalms. If you want to go back to uh, chapter 19, he's going to make this distinction in Psalm for us. So I'm not making this kind of stuff up. We're going to walk through the text and I'm going to show you like David makes this distinction that creation says that, that God is, that God exists. And then he will distinguish between what the Word can accomplish. What, here's what creation can accomplish, and here's what the Word accomplishes. The Word tells us who God is. Not that just that He is, that He exists, but the Word would actually tell us who God is. The Word tells us His actual name, and that's where Joey was kind of drawing those distinctive lines for us uh, a few weeks ago. That the heavens can't tell you God's name. The creation doesn't tell you his personal name. And then in verse 7, uh, David would write, The law of the Lord. And if you remember how Joey showed us that all caps, Lord, all caps, is referring to his personal name, his covenantal name. That is Yahweh God, is how, is how he told uh, Moses he would be uh, referred to. And that is not a title or a descriptor. That is his, his personal name. And so the Word tells us who He is, what He desires. It shows us His character. It, the Word reveals the length at which God would go to save us. Just in His name, that He is the, he is the God of, of, of the past, the now, and the tomorrow. That He is God over everything, and that He is personal, that He's near to us, and that He cares for us. The Word reveals that God in His sovereignty is not far from us and that he's not against us. Creation doesn't tell us these things. Only God's word does. And you would see I'm just, uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, whenever, um, whenever God reveals himself to Samuel, um, he, 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 he basically gives the, 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 the future, the near future, that, that Eli is fixing to go away and that he's installing Samuel as a prophet. And he said, And the Lord appeared again, at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. You see, Yahweh God, the personal, intimate, covenantal God, reveals himself through his word. That's how we know him personally. God reveals himself personally, not through these beautiful sunsets, although they are beautiful, and they, they are meant for us to worship the God that we know in Scripture, that we learn about in Scripture. And the reason we hold the written word at such a high esteem is because in them we encounter the living word. We encounter the living God here. And so that's why I'm always, you hear me kind of get railing a little bit on, on, on how um, 
we can have the tendency to, to approach the Word. We can come to it, and we want to study it. Okay, so we're fixing to start 10 weeks of Bible study methods. Please do not let that be an information meeting for you. That's not what it's meant for. That's not what the Word is meant for. And it really, really, really gets me when people just get off on, on knowing a lot of information about Scripture and not knowing the living God that's found in Scripture, the one that's going to transform your life through the good news. Don't stop short of what God has for us in this word, what's contained here, an intimate relationship with God, one where you seek after, one that you desire, you seek after and desire the, the God who loves you, the one who, who cares for you, who is for you. It doesn't happen apart from this. It doesn't happen just by saying, you know what, I'm just going to kind of go on my own little journey uh, away from this, and you know what, I can just love God in, in, in what's been made around me, and I can just see how much he loves just by looking around me. And that's not true. As a matter of fact, Paul would say those things, apart from Christ, those things are really going to condemn you. They're going to really show you how you, need, you really need to be worshiping the God that we know in Scripture. And so it's impossible. Let me just say this. It's impossible to maintain any form of relationship without using some kind of communication, some kind of words. It's impossible to have, you can't, you can't know someone and you can't love someone or have deep, meaningful friendship if you're not using words of some form. You can't. You have to communicate. Any parent wanting to do a decent job at parenting will tell you that to raise children, it's not going to come just by actions alone but you're actually going to have to communicate with this child. You're going to have to to tell this child something. You're going to have to direct them using some form of communication. But don't we do this so much with God? Don't Don't we do this? We'll go days, weeks, months to try to maintain a relationship with God, won't we, apart from the Word? We all, we all, we all fall short here. And it's foolish for us to think that we can know God and what he desires and what he wants and what he's called us for and try to receive his love apart from the word. It's foolish. So the question then becomes, how does God actually shape us? What we consume shapes us. We've established that. How does the word shape us when we consume his word? We'll pick back up in verse 7, chapter 19 in Psalm The law of the Lord, the law of Yahweh God, the personal, intimate, covenantal God is perfect, reviving the soul. That verse is crystal clear. We don't have to to do a lot of work here to see that God's word is perfect, but your soul is not. God's word is perfect and, and your soul is not. Every day you and I are tempted to believe the wrong things and to feel the wrong things and to trust the wrong things. Every one of us, we have that temptation about us that we have to walk through every day. Let me tell you something. This will exhaust your soul. It exhausts my soul. And when your soul is weighed down, when your soul is weighed down, every little practical thing in your life will seem like it's a thousand pounds. Everything else will be weighed down in your life when your soul is weighed down. And you might be in this season of physical exhaustion, right? We're coming off the heels of holidays, and we've been doing a whole lot of stuff, and, and, but you can't quite put your finger on it, right? You've been taking a lot of good naps, and, and you've been trying to change the way you eat and your habits, and, and you've tried massage therapy, and you've tried vacationing, and none of these things seem to be working, that you just still walk around and you're exhausted. May I suggest you ask the honest question, are you consistently in the Word? Are you consistently in the Word? Have you had some consistent time where you are feasting on and consuming the Word and what God says in your current season of life? Or or do you have that for yourself right now? Because let me tell you something. The further I walk away from the Word, the more my soul gets weighed down. And the more my soul gets weighed down, the more my role as a husband gets weighed down. The more my role as a father gets gets weighed down. The more my role as a pastor gets weighed down. The more my my role as an employee at at, at at a chemical facility just gets weighed down. And everything just seems overwhelming. Because my soul is weighed down. Do you feel that way? Ask yourself the question, how much time have I been spending knowing the living God? 
who in his word alone tells me how much he loves me and how much he will carry for me, how much that if I just let him pack it, it's, it he has it. That I don't have to pack it anymore. That my soul is revived is what David says here. And then he would say the testimony of the Lord. He's going to keep going through different ways to say the word of the Lord is sure. It is sure. It is making it is making wise the simple. Notice that the word just doesn't give you wisdom. It's not what he says. Consuming God's word doesn't just give us wisdom, but it shapes us into wise people. And there's a big difference, and I, and I hope you kind of pick this up, that wisdom is more than just knowing the right answers or having the right information. Wisdom is that gift that God wants to impart to every one of us to help us navigate the gray areas of life. The areas where he's not specific in his word. Let me give you an example. In God's word, it tells me in Ephesians 5 how I'm supposed to love my wife. That I'm supposed to love her as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. But it didn't tell me which wife I was supposed to marry. It didn't tell me the one that I was supposed to go and marry, did it? No, because that required wisdom. I needed to, I needed to know and navigate the gray areas of life through the wisdom that God gives to know those kind of answers. And some of you, some of you need wisdom right now. I'm telling you this as, as a friend, as a pastor, some of you need wisdom right now. You need the wisdom to navigate the, the current season in your life to make sure that you're walking in the way that God would have you walk. And guess what? You have no clue what direction that is if you're, if you're not in his word, if you're not allowing him to speak to you. And so you need this in your life right now. You need wisdom in your relationship right now. You need wisdom with your money right now. You need wisdom with your career right now. Where you work, there's probably decisions that are sitting in front of you. You need wisdom there. And so the haunting question then is where are you going to find this information? Where are you going to answer these tough questions in your life right now? Are you going to Google for it? Are you, are you going to search blogs about it? Are you going to find people who, who may or may not be more wise than you, who can impart some wisdom to you, but in reality they're just as broken and messed up as you are? Or are you going to God's Word? Where are you going to find the, the steps, your next steps right now? Where are you getting that information from? Verse 8, he says, The precepts, another, that's a fancy way of saying rules, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So we've already established the fact that the heart is after joy, regardless of who you are, regardless of your background, your age, your, your cultural context. Our hearts are after joy. We're after happiness. That's, they've been made that way. God designed them that way, and he designed himself to be the source of the greatest happiness and joy. And so we're designed that way. The problem is... Our heart looks in all those wrong places to try to be satisfied. Your heart wants to trust in the wrong things. I guarantee you, your heart is, it could possibly be at this very moment trusting in the wrong thing. It wants to call evil things good and it wants to call good things evil. Like, think about it. His, even the precepts, the, the, the rules, the, the, the mandate of Yahweh God himself, we would like to say, you know what? He's really being mean and oppressive when he says all this, I got to do this, and this is what he requires and all that. Like, if you receive that as him being mean, understand your heart is crooked and that we take good things and we look at them as if they're evil. And when in fact we see all throughout Scripture and especially here that there's no error, there's no falsehood, there's no trickery or games. All that God has said is always right. Everything that he said is always straight and right and good and holy and righteous. Everything. And when your heart takes this in, what David would say here is it, it rejoices. When your heart believes on that, understands that, and, and, and embraces that, that your heart will rejoice. So the happiness that you're looking for, you may be running from the very source that's going to satisfy what your heart is hunting for, what is looking for, what it is after. 
Why is this? Why? Because you were made to walk in what God has said. The most, the most joy and the most life are found here. And then you begin to think and feel and navigate life in the right ways. You think about the right things. You feel the right way when you're connected here. And so God's word is now shaping you into a person, right? When I'm connected, when I'm connected to this word, when I'm, when I'm spending time knowing about the living God in the word, now I begin to uh, be shaped into the person that, that, that God desires, that, that God wants, uh, and he empowers me to do what is right. He causes a desire in me to do the right things, to want to be obedient. He gives me the power to do that. There's no higher joy than having a clear conscience before God. You want to know you want to know joy is having a clear conscience before God and believing that you have a clear conscience before God and that's only found in Christ, only. There's no greater happiness than laying down at night knowing that through the grace of God and the grace of God alone, no, nothing, that, nothing that I've done to, 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 to impart this grace to me but only through Christ and I've been obedient even if it meant I had to change my plans today, even if it meant I had to change my mind, even if it meant I had to change what I was believing and what I was trusting in that day, that I can lay my head down at night with a clear conscience knowing that I'm connected to God here, that my life is now being shaped by Him. And then in verse 9, he would say, the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of Yahweh God is clean, enduring forever. To fear God is to joyfully, listen to me, that's, that's important, to, to joyfully obey him. That's what fear of the Lord is, to joyfully obey him, placing his name, his reputation, what he thinks, how he feels, what he desires above everything else. To walk in this kind of fear, David would say, is clean. It means that there's clarity now to this relationship that I have with God. Now, I don't have to wonder what God thinks of me. I don't have to wonder where he and I stand with one another. That it's crystal clear and there's not a, a bad conscience or a bad thought. That's to fear the Lord. And to fear the Lord is to be certain and confident and sure before him. And the guarantee that the, the verse says here is that this fear, it will always be right it will always be good. You will always be happy. It will always be life-giving. Nothing in life can take away what's most precious when you are walking in this holy fear of the Lord. And that's not a, I'm not talking about like an abusive father where, where you are, are afraid. I'm talking about respect and honor and, and ascribing worth and value to that kind of fear. God made us this way to be shaped and to be formed by his word. And then in verse 10, more to be desired are they, that his rules, his precepts, his word, his testimony, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So let me paraphrase David for you here for just a second. The shortest little jot in Scripture, the smallest verse, the shortest verse, the smallest word is greater than any salary that you could ever fathom. Any amount of possessions that you can acquire, the word, even the smallest section of it, is more valuable. The most simplest truth from God's word is worth more to your soul than any paycheck, any possession that you can think of. It's more nourishing to us, more satisfying to us than even Mexican food. Than even the, the greatest Southwest Louisiana dish that you can find. It's more satisfying and nourishing to us than that. And what this means then for us as we enter into this, this new year, because we all start thinking about it, we're all confronted with that, right? Well, well new, we've got a new start. We've got a, we've got a moment to make some, make some change in my life. I've got a moment to, to do something. And some of you probably have some things that you want to see different in your life stepping into the new year. Uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're having this moment together. Um, so what this, because what this means then is for you, if your resolution is to, to make more money or to, to climb the, 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 the ladder in your job, or to find your satisfaction in something else, and it doesn't 
include God's Word. It doesn't include consuming the Word. It is not worth it. It's not worth it. Whatever else you have, whatever else you have on your list of things that you want to become or to see change in your life is not worth the priority of God's Word. Any pleasure or achievement that asks you to sacrifice time with God is just simply not worth it. In the end, it will leave you bitter. It will, it will never give, but it will constantly take from you. And you will serve that thing that you have at the top of your list. That's, that's what you will, will give yourself over to. That's what you will consume. That's what you will spend your energy on. In verse 11, he would say, Moreover, by them, his word, his precepts, his testimony, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. You believe that? Do you believe that walking in sync with God's word is great reward for you? And, and, and I don't, I'm not looking for the Sunday school answer. I'm not like, yes, Jesus. I'm not looking for that answer. Really, like, search your soul. Does your life reflect that you believe consuming his word and obeying his word, keeping them, is great reward to you? All that you long to be and all that your heart longs for is found here by consuming God's word and allowing it to shape you into the person that he wants you to be. And so here's my New Year's challenge to, to, to all of us. Let's strive, let's work, and let's fight, and let's war. Let's wage war against everything else that would ask us to forsake God's word. A, a, a daily rhythm of, of being in God's word and consuming his word. Let's, let's, let's fight with everything we have because here's the deal. The further we walk away from this, the more of a burden you heap on your soul and everything else around you. And you may already have a, a, you may already have a rhythm in your life that, that you can, uh, you, you, you're in the Word daily or at least uh, uh, weekly where you're spending some time with, with, with God and His Word. But if you don't, we've provided some ways for that to happen. You can go to our website, or you can get with me, and I can, I can actually hand you some stuff, a Bible reading plan. We are starting year two of a two-year journey through Scripture together as a church. Some of our small groups have, have found other, other ways to, to read God's Word. But if you don't have a means to do that, I want to show you how to do that. Not only that, but we're also setting other resources in front of you. Uh, if you it, the same place where you go to look at our Bible reading plan, we'll give you a quick snapshot of how to, how to look in your Scripture as you read. Not just read it to say you got through it, but to actually hear from God. To, we use that, the, the read process where, it's, where we, we read, we examine, we apply, and then we pray. And that's, it's, a, it's a way for you to kind of pick out and mine some small uh, uh, nuggets of gold out of God's Scripture. And so we want to show you how to do that. If you really want to get, get committed to this, we're fixing to go through 10 weeks of, of showing you how to study Scripture. And, this, and again, this is not so that you can walk away a smarter person. This is so that you can walk away a more equipped and a, and a more transformed person. And that's what, that's what we're after. And so we want you to help. We want to help, we want to help you stay focused. We want to help you get organized, get you a plan for how you're going to read Scripture uh, every day this year. And, and, I, and I realize what I'm saying. And I realize that every single one of us in the room is going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. I'm not going to be able to do it every year, every day. And, and here's, here's the beauty of it. We know that. And so in our reading plan, we, we, I think I might change it. We call it catch-up days. I just might call it we blew it days. Days where we just I didn't catch it. So, so every, we stop very frequently throughout our Bible reading plan and give you just a couple of days to catch up. So that, so that whenever you fail... That you just don't give up because here's the deal. When it, you're going to blow it, and it's okay to fail because we have grace, but it's not okay to just give up, right? It's not okay to just stop and to, to, to kind of put your hands up. Grace is there to cover us when we blow it, but we're going we're to keep on moving. We're going to keep rolling with it. 
So decide today. Think about today. It might even be the very resolution that you have set for your life for 2018 that you need to say no to so that it doesn't rob time with God for you. Think about what it is that you need to say no to. Think about what those things are that you need to say no to. There might be multiple things that are pulling for your time, pulling for your attention that you've prioritized, albeit they may be high priorities. They may be really important things, but I can promise you nothing is more important than carving out a little bit of time to be with Jesus every day. And, and, and it's not, here's the deal, this is, this is not legalism. I don't want you to hear this as saying, you, you want to please God? You want to grow closer to God? You want to you make him happy with you? Then you, you read your Bible every day. That's not how we earn God's grace. So this isn't legalism, and I don't want you to leave here thinking that I just gave you the best way to earn God's grace. This is out of desperation. This is, this is literally out of, out of desperation. I want you to leave here understanding just how prone we are to wander. Every one of us. And how messed up our hearts can be at times. All of us. So this discipline of reading Scripture, this isn't a means for us to earn grace. It isn't a means for us to, to create a, a smile on God's face because we're doing such an awesome job. We're, just remember that we're already walking in grace that was purchased for us at the cross. That we're already, like Jesus has done everything that, that was required. And, and we weren't even able to accomplish what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. And so the word is given to us so that we will walk in that reality. That we, will, that we will understand and know and be intimate with the truth that Jesus has, has covered. We, we're, we're walking in grace now. And so we can, we can now come to God in his word and, and, and approach him as the living God, as the living word, one who's personal and intimate, who cares for you, who's not against you, who's for, for you, and he's not far off from you. He's near to you. And that happens by being here. And being here, and this is where I'll close. I need this, you need this, to be reminded every day that God is for me, that he loves me. This is a daily reminder for me because let me tell you something. In a really quick minute, I can forget that. In a really, 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 really quick second that I can forget that he's for me. And I can feel the enemy heap condemnation. And I can just feast on that and believe that, I, you know what, I'm not worth the grace that Christ has earned for me. It only, I'm only reminded and I can only trust in it when I know who he is. When I'm having a, a, a meaningful and consistent conversation with God. And that comes by approaching him in his word. He's given us all we need here to know him to love him, to show himself to us, we have it there. And so let's not be foolish as we enter into the new year thinking that we're going to maintain this loving, meaningful relationship with God when we, you know, stop by about every six months to, to see how he's doing. Let's not be that foolish. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your promises that you've given us from the foundations of the, the world that, that, God, we are not you, that we are far from any type of creator or savior or sustainer of anything, but that you alone have, have you've, you've accomplished everything on our behalf so that we might know you, that we might be loved by you, that we might believe and trust in you. And so that starts with us just looking at your creation and just thinking about what Paul was trying to tell us in Romans that if we don't understand and see how glorious and beautiful that you are, Father, that we, God, we just stand condemned. And we can just look around and, and creation does testify to the fact that you exist and that you are supreme. And for us to reject that is just foolish. And so, Father, you've also made the way for us to be right with you through your son Christ. And God, this isn't information that's just, God, that we've learned just walking through a life journey, but God, we've only learned these truths about grace and love and mercy and forgiveness for our rebellion in your word and nowhere else. 
And so I pray over this group of people today. I pray for my own life and I pray for my, my family's life and my, my close friends and, and, th and this room that, God, we will do whatever it takes. We will say no to whatever we need to to grow to know you and to love you more as we step into the, the next chapter, the next day, the next few weeks and months and year and our life ahead of us. God, through your spirit, would you reveal to us where we are at this moment trying to find our happiness where we're trying to find our, our fulfillment. Would you show us that if it's not found in you, if it's not found in your word, if it's not found in who you are and your character and your attributes, then as Trent prayed earlier, God, would you pierce our hearts, would you break us in this moment to see you, to find our satisfaction in you, that our hunger would be bedded down in your word, who you are, God, not only just to know this information, but God, we, we want you to stir up a, a love in us for you. We want, to, we want you to stir up worship in us through what we see in, in the word as far as who you are and how you've done so much to cross over into humanity to save us so that so that we could be reconciled to you, that our relationship could be fixed with you. So creating us a desire to want you, God. And give us the revelation for those of us in this room who feel like we can just step into this relationship with you. God, I pray right now that you would stop them and reveal to them the reality of Jesus Christ that he is the bridge, that his sacrifice, his resurrection, the atonement through the work that he's accomplished on the cross is the only means for us to have this relationship with you. So I pray that through the word, you reveal that to, to those of us, remind us who've already stepped into that relationship and reveal to those who've, who've been skeptical about it. Today in this moment, would you, would you create new hearts? Hearts that long for and beat for you. Would you do that through the power of your son Jesus' name? And we pray these things in his name. Amen.